Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. Your mother-daughter duo here, Delia Fole, Allison Broom. And we are very excited to have Alex Alfieri, founder of Butter Lane Antiques, which is an e-commerce site for antique jewelry, on our show today. Alex's family was previously involved in the antique jewelry business, and he has taken steps to modernize the industry with his company, Butter Lane Antiques. Butter Lane's clients include J.K. Rowling, Bella Thorne, Hilary Swank, and so many more. They've also amassed a huge Instagram following. He and his right-hand man, Alex Andor Monty, even launched a podcast called Dealing, where they give the inside scoop on the origins of their business, the antique jewelry trade, and so much more. Thank you, Alex, for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So will you tell our audience about where your interest from antique jewelry came from, the name, Butter Lane? I love the family history and how you've modernized it. Yeah, of course. My dad, Chris has been a dealer of antiques since he was, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old. He is has taken a more traditional approach. When I came out of university, I ended up trying to work with my dad. I know you guys work together and you've done it really successfully, but me and my dad, we were <laughs> one of us was going to end up killing each other. So Butterlane is not affiliated to my family's business in any way. It's, it's entirely separate, um, which was sort of like a a daunting period of my life when I was like, right, I'm going on my own now. And this is what I'm going to do. Then um, when when I met Monty, Monty was, uh, is, sorry, not was, is very good at at the computer side of things. So that that sort of gave us that that platform to work on. I knew that I wanted to sort of build a brand and, and I had this like fantastic vision of where I want the business to go, where I wanted the business to go at the time when I was about in my early 20s, he could execute my vision, uh, technically speaking. Then we started the Butter Lane brand, which the story behind that is Butter Lane Antiques was a market place for um, antiques and antique jewellery in Manchester, which is where we're from. Incidentally, my family worked out of there when, when it started back in the 60s or the 70s. 60s and the 70s, sorry. I was quite insistent of keeping some element of the family name or at least a connection to like my, my dad and my dad's mum, who are solely the reason of why I'm, I'm where I am today. Butter Lane came up in conversation and it was just sort of like, oh my God, I love that. That's perfect. It's, it's a nod to where I've learned and it's a nod to where my dad learned. And I just thought it was great. I thought it was, um, I thought it sounded nice in English, which was sort Mm. of the angle that I was going for. Mm -hmm. I liked the flow of it. Yeah, and I just thought, yeah, I can work. It was honestly like a light bulb moment. It was just when when, when it came up in the conversation, what about Butter Lane Antiques? And I was like, yeah, that's it. And I just was like, right, that's it, I've done it. Went to the office the next day and said to Monty, I've I've thought of the name for the rebrand. We knew we were going to rebrand, but we weren't just sure of, how that was going to go. We were just sort of trial and error in the early days. And Monty loved it. And we just started like drawing little things of things that were related to butter things. We didn't, we didn't want to brand with a piece of jewelry or anything. We wanted it to be like a 
pretty distinctive logo, which is where the cat, which is explains the cow. <laughs> I know English people love their cows. <laughs> yeah, well, we just thought it was like you know, it added it was quaint sort of thing, yeah. and it was a bit different. And yeah, it was like a, a nod to the English side of things. Yes, love it, love it, love it. So was Butter Lane similar to like Bermondsey Market? We describe it, I guess so, yeah, we describe it as like the, the northern version of the way Portobello is. So yeah, exactly like okay. Bermondsey, which is like an indoor trading area where there'd be stalls and people yeah. would go and take their goods for the week and and you'd buy and sell. It was it was a you know designated area of buying and selling secondhand and antique goods. Loved going there. So Loved the family going. nod, the Manchester nod. This is actually a bit of new information. I don't even know if Monty knows this. My my dad's oh. mum and my dad's dad were the manager and manageress of the market hall itself. It, it wow. when the first opened. Wow, that's fabulous. Yeah, that's nice. That's always a nice bit of information. Yeah, that's really neat that you use the name. That's that's wonderful. Great familial connection. Yes, and most people in the antique jewelry business, they weren't on Instagram. They maybe didn't even have a website, right? When we started or now. Right. Yeah, in the beginning. I really feel like you brought the industry kind of to, mm -hmm. you modernized it with the website and the Instagram. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, w I wouldn't say we were the first people to do it, but a lot of people were just doing it on the side. You know, they, they were generally dealing at the markets and the fairs and then they had a bit of an online presence. Sure. The way Plain went into it was the strategy was based on using the internet. And, you know, luckily we're off that generation where that's what we grew up with. So it's it's all we know and it's all we knew was, was how to utilize the internet in order to be able to sell products. There were more over in the state side at the time when we started. So we were looking at certain businesses, especially in New York, and thinking there's no one in the UK doing this. And then we started building the business plan and making, you know, making sense of things and getting a strategy in place of how we, of the way we were going to take it. And yeah, we were sort of like the first one in the UK to be solely online focused and use the internet as the backbone of the business. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you all mostly focus on, on yeah. English jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. European. I mean, our market is mostly over to America. So I don't want to try and be selling American antique jewelry back to America. So it was sort of like maintaining the USP that it was English antique jewelry. Can you give us a rundown on what each era is known for? Like the Georgian era, for example. Um, so what's been popular for us with, in Georgian jewelry is rose cut diamond set jewelry, especially like eternity bands. That's not solely what it's known for, but that's something. That's a product that we've had that's been Georgian. In Georgian, there was a lot of use of the memorial. So a popular piece that we had a few years ago that's now sold was like a skeleton, a full body skeleton ring. And this was one of the oldest periods that you sell? Yeah, I mean, we will touch uh, early, early jewelry if you see it, but it's so scarce now. It's, I don't really see it when right. I'm out and about buying the stock. And then that led into Victorian. Uh, the next monarch that came in would have been Queen Victoria. When did the, you know, the jewelry that had like, um, like a person's eye painted in it or the hair jewelry, when, what era was that? Would have been, yeah, Victoria, hair was, became popular in Victorian periods. Mm -hmm. And Georgian as well. It was part of the mourning movement, right? Because the hair would often be from the deceased. 
as a memorial. Goodness. Okay. My experience with the hair jewellery, people sometimes say that, you know, can, can you take the hair out? But I feel really sort of well about doing that sometime. I mean, I, w- I will do it, but I feel that it's that has been so special to somebody and then someone wants me to rip it out. Maybe get another piece of jewellery if you don't want that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's part of it, you know. Edwardian, what kind of jewellery signifies that? Was like, was, so... I, I said earlier the Victorian was clunky, uh, chunky and, and and heavy sort of um, more yeah more sort of chunky stuff Victorian and Edwardian was just starting to go a bit more dainty towards that prettier if that makes oh. sense so yeah. more just a little bit more delicate and less clunky I suppose prettier oh. a lot of open work okay that's is that called filigree filigree. No, I'd, I'd go with open work. Okay, okay. Well, filigree is something, sorry. Yeah, filigree is a thing that's been used, but not, not in Edwardian periods. Okay. Filigree, filigree was earlier. Oh, okay. That's super dainty. Um, and then when does Art Deco fit into all of this? 20s, like the, you know, the 20s and 30s. Yeah, but I'm trying to figure out what's in between, like, Edwardian and... Edwardian would have been about, would have been 1910, the Art Deco period, strictly speaking, were the 20s, 1920s and 1930s. And then in, in those movements, you started seeing sort of stronger uh, linear right. use of lines and colour. A classic piece of Art Deco jewellery would have been sort of diamonds and sapphires and really sort of strong stylistically. Uh, so, yeah, so you had Wardian leads into the 20s and 30s. Then you're getting that more towards sort of retro and vintage, which is more towards the current day, which is isn't our speciality. It is something that we will I will buy if it's the right sort of thing, but it it has to fall under a different type of criteria when, when we're right. buying that sort of stuff. And to be an antique, it has to be at least a hundred years old. Is that correct? I mean, I know that's kind of the rule of thumb for furniture. Yeah, by definition, it'd have to be at least one hundred years old for it to to be called antique. Yeah. Certain deco pieces yet wouldn't be antique. They would still be vintage because they're not quite there. How do you find all these pieces you sell? Travel up and down the country, <laughs> going to the auctions and the markets, and mm-hmm. obviously over the over the years that I've been active, I've I've sort of built up a network of suppliers. You in a state like when someone dies, has anyone ever called you and said, "Do you want to come look at the jewelry?" That's not happened yet, but it it does happen. Yeah, I'm more dad buying off the trade. So other dealers, people that are more like I explained earlier, the way my dad works is a bit more is is more traditional. So he's sort of buying and selling to people within the trade circuit. So they already know what they've got, and you yeah, and- exactly, yeah. That, so you're buying off people that know what they're buying. Yeah, that's great. There's there's an element of trust there, so I know that something that I like- buy from from them is is going to be the real deal. But then it right. also means, on the other hand, that I'm not getting any major, major uh, bargains out of them because they know <laughs> what we've got. Well, I mean, that's, that opportunity cost is, I think, worth it, in my opinion, because sure. me confident in what, what I'm buying and that it's come from a good place and, it, and that it is as it's being sold it is more important than getting the bargain of the century. Seriously, right. And then you have to do research and all that kind of stuff. How do you research and price them? And do you feel like eBay 
change the game a little bit. I know that was before you started all of this, but my mother and I had an antiques booth for a while. Everything was on eBay. So you had to kind of, if you priced it above that, you weren't going to sell it because people would tell you, well, it's on eBay for such and such, you know, so that kind of changed the game for people in America having antique booths and everything like that. So has that affected you? And then how do you research and price your pieces? Uh, has eBay we actually started on eBay before, before it was Butter Lane. Um, the first bit of trading we did was through eBay. Has it affected us? I feel that the, the pieces that we offer, um, it's not something you could just type into eBay and, and millions of them would pop up. You know, they're, they're, they're very unique and yes. one of a kind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think really it has affected us that much because, you know, if we've got a, an 18th century diamond ring, for instance, you know, you, there's not 10 pages of results of those on eBay. Right. And if you were the first ones selling these kinds of pieces on eBay, you're the one who set the standard anyway. Our customer is, is different to someone that's looking on eBay. Right. For sure. Oh, of course. Most definitely. Most definitely. How do you research and price your pieces? Research, we've called, of course, we're just we're using the, the vast internet. When, when, if there's anything that needs very, very specific research, like names and you know, who they've belonged to, mm-hmm. things like that, then, then yeah, we can, we can get in huge, you know, we can spend hours searching online and finding out who pieces belong to and where they've come from, et cetera. I aim to be priced competitively, but also um, I use my experience of, of what I've got for certain pieces before in the past. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we're, we're in this to make a profit, but we, but we want to be fair. Um, so I, I sort of look at something and think, is that worth this? Given you know what's gone into, how much effort's gone into finding it, photographing it, researching it, getting yeah. it online and shipping it over to the customer which is quite a lot on our side. And some of the research, I'm sure, you know, because you're buying from someone who had the piece before you, they probably had some information about it too that made it an interesting piece for you. Certain things, yeah. If, if it's come out of a family, then I suppose, yeah. Mm-hmm. We generally remember we're buying from the trade, so, so right. we're, we're the, the link of the chain that are adding on that value through doing the research. The trade aren't generally doing that research. Okay. Well, would they know like the quality of the diamond or, you know, those kind of things? Or is that what you have to... Yeah, of course, sometimes they would, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but, that, but that, the eye is so important when it comes to the buying, you know, so mm. um, my eye and, and me, me sort of noticing something that maybe they've missed or... Yes, yes, yes. That's so much fun. And it's nice that every single piece has such an incredible story and that y'all do such a great job on Instagram of telling that story. Yeah, that's, that's Monty that does that, that side of things, yeah. That, he's great at that. Okay, that's nice to have that. I know. So how did you familiarize yourself? I guess you grew up around it, but with the antique jewelry market and the jewelry from each era and all of the information that goes into that. It's in my blood, right? It's come from my sort of grandma, my dad. I was surrounded by it for whilst I was growing up. So there was always jewelry in the house, and and I guess I, as an inquisitive child, you sort of ask questions, and then 
when it came to the actual formal education side of things, which which obviously I got from my dad when I was working for, with him, it just comes down to um, the quantity of goods that were handled. My dad taught me everything. I mean, I don't, sure. I don't have any sort of I don't have any sort of embarrassment about that. He did. He taught me absolutely everything I know, really. Oh. And then once I got going, I was. Um, it was just, it's just experience, you know. The, the more and more you you are going out and, and handling this stuff, it's you very very quickly learn. Luckily, I was at an age when I was learning when I first started that I was still ma- managing to maintain retain information. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I bet it's interesting. Like for us, it's interesting when you study the clothes of a certain period in history. It can tell you a lot about what was going on during that period. Um, and I would think that would be the same thing, you know, with the jewelry, you can kind of learn about that, you know, that period of time based on what they were wearing, what was popular then. Yeah, I suppose every, every piece is, is, is like a, um, you know, like a time warp back right. to, to what was going on. Like, and you can look at something, like, oh my God, you know, like. Especially, I mean, especially the morning stuff, which I know we've, we've touched on a few times. But it's so fast. You know, imagine if you came out now with a piece of morning jewellery, people would be like, you know, what's going on here? But, hey, but that's what I think. that was the norm then. And that was what was, that was, it was what was done. It was the done thing, you know. Right, 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 right. What items are most in demand right now? I know all of your pieces are one of a kind, but is there are some are there some themes going on? Um, um, gem set rings at the moment are, are very popular. Sapphires, emeralds, rubies, generally paired with diamonds. Bright, colorful pieces. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's factor, that's factoring into the buying process all the time. You know. If, of how something's going to look when it's photographed and how how when that's put in front of the potential customer's eyes, are they going to see it? You know, you don't yeah. want to see a dull sort of dark photograph, but if something's bright and it's popping with colour, it's going to tick a lot of boxes for me, especially when I'm when I'm looking to buy it. And that, yeah. is, what, that is what's popular, ultimately. That's a great point. Things that look good when you're selling things online, you really have to think about how they're going to come across. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, traditionally, if we had a bricks, I mean, we work out of off closed offices, but traditionally, someone that was doing our job would be in a shop, and a customer would come in and they'd try something on and then handle it. But given we the internet is our shop or our website is our shop, it's um, you know we we have to take different things into consideration because we're having to get so much across in a, a series of less than 10 photographs. Mm-hmm. And we have to consider that the customer isn't able to actually try something on. So they're, they're putting a lot of trust in Butter Lane, in me and in, in Monty as well. For sure. Oh, this is so interesting. I'm looking at your Instagram. So I think some of the things that I have from my grandmother and things that have been passed down are actually Georgian. I thought they were Victorian. So do you feel like opals come and go? I feel like sometimes they're big and then sometimes no one's interested in them. Am I, am I right about that? Opals for us have always been, are always popular. It, you know, it's, it's a good stone. I like, I like things with opals. It's, again, it's color. It's, it's popular. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I guess certain things do come in and go, you know, that is something. Back back when we very first started, uh, Charms were, su- were super popular and then they dropped off and then they've come back in again. Oh, that like, makes sense. You know, that's like... That's, that's so... Charm braces so back. Yeah. Um, you posted something that it says, an attractive antique lavalier pendant dating from the turn of the 20th century, circa 1900. I have something similar to that, but it has amethyst little drops. So the turn of the century, that would be Victorian? It, it would, I suppose, be between sort of like 1890 and 1910. So that, that sort of 1900 range. So if you wanted to really strictly label it, it could be Victorian. It could be Georgian sort of thing. Um, oh yeah, okay. This is so wonderful to learn about these things when you when you have these pieces of jewelry to be able to understand more. So, so turn so, of the century when we use it in that poster with the pendant, right? Would be circa nineteen hundred. We could have um, turn of the previous century, which could be circa okay. eighteen hundred. I need to come over there and bring you all this jewelry I have, and you can tell me about it. <laughs> Take like an overshot, put it on a white piece of paper. Oh, okay. And just send, send me some pictures, and, I, and I'll do my best. Oh, I'd love to do that. That's great. Thank you. So stemming from that last question, I don't even know if, if you've seen Bridgerton, but over here, the series has been a big big deal everyone is just crazy about bridgerton has that had any effect on georgian jewelry sales we actually maybe that's the reason why we've we've not got much in stock at the moment that's because it it all just sells anything that we put online just flies out so that (laughs) that could be the reason i've been thinking what's going on everyone wants it all of a sudden yeah that's so funny so you need to watch a little bit of it so you can understand (laughs) What is it? It's like a like a period drama sort of thing. Yes, exactly. I don't know if in the UK y'all have Netflix, but yes, it is a series about the Georgian era, and it's yeah. based on some books that someone wrote, and it's called Bridgerton, and and it just for some reason it really really took off in America, and all kinds of things are coming out of that. You should look into it because that's very interesting that. The Georgian jewelry sales are up. Yeah, Georgian jewelry is so popular, and it's it's getting hard to replace now. I feel like there's less and less of it. Even when I go to the markets, you know, there's there's less sort of good um, original Georgian pieces around that that you see. Yeah, I think that's true with a lot of antiques too. Whenever when I was a child, everywhere we went, my mother would say, you know. She would explain the legs of the furniture, which period the furniture came from, and everything. And now it's harder and harder to find those antiques because you know, or they get more expensive. Yeah, well, or I guess supply, basic supply and demand. You know that the these things were were one offs when they were made. So there was only a finite amount of these these items made. It was before the machine age. You know, it's not like now where we churn out thousands and millions yeah. of pandora charm bracelets or you know whatever is the current phase with that fashion so back when you know these things were made they were made by hand and you know there wasn't electricity so you could only make as much so there's there's not loads of it you know just sitting right. around it's all been it's all ended up with the end users and i guess we for us you know we're sort of all looking for for that piece to sell to the end user 
And that's why you should be willing to pay more for it because it was made by an artisan. It, it wasn't just made in a, you know. Yeah, a- it's got so much more, in my opinion, like so much more value than, than modern stuff, the old stuff. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's been made by hand, like probably under candlelight, you know, with, mm-hmm. with, with hand tools, also a snapshot into the past, which mm-hmm. is so special but that you can't get anymore. And there's less and less of it around. It's surely going to be going up in value. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love it how y'all call it. Mini pieces of wearable art. Yeah, of course. That's nice, isn't it? It is very nice. And true. Are there any movies that we should watch to get acquainted with antique jewelry and or each period? I actually watched uh, The Great Gatsby a couple of nights ago, and that was, that was Art Deco at its finest, right? And then Bridgerton, as you mentioned, for the Georgian period. Um, I don't particularly know anything for Victorian, but I guess... Um, Green Victoria. The young Victoria. Yeah, Victoria itself. Yeah, that was a series, right? Mm-hmm. And there's also a movie called The, the Young Victoria, I think, about... How she and Abra got together. Oh, that'd be perfect. Yeah, there you go. That's that one. <laughs> <laughs> what you said. <laughs> well, if you come up with any others, please let us know. I will. Uh, Gatsby was great for the deco stuff, actually. I, I find myself doing that when I'm watching films. I'm try- I'm just more interested in the jewelry that they've got on, thinking, oh, that's nice. Yes. I think it's nice for people to, if they can, you know, read books or go to museums and look at the jewelry collections at museums so they can understand if they are looking for a piece. You know, if they reach out to you, they can be specific and say this, I'm looking for something from the Edwardian period, you know, to have more knowledge about it than obviously I had going into this conversation what you're doing is is fascinating. And so we talked about the fact that during the Georgian era, those when eternity bands were big. Yes. And then with Victorian jewelry, there's a lot of mourning jewelry. It's bolder, a little heavier, kind of like Victorian furniture to me was sort of heavy. Heavier and, and clunkier, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, and then the Edwardian period is dainty and delicate with more open work. Yeah, exactly. The bridge towards the Art Deco movement, which okay. was more linear and sort of stronger designs. I think a lot of people are in America are familiar with Art Deco, but these yeah. others are they're less familiar with, except for the Victorian. So I'm really excited we got to introduce our listeners to the, these other periods and bring some new information yeah. to I people who are think, that we didn't speak about which in the Georgian jewellery, Riviere necklaces are beautiful. Popular sort of example of something that comes from that period. That is very present in Bridgerton, for sure. Yeah, beautiful gem set Riviere's. Great. Mm-hmm. I want one of those. I know. Me too. <laughs> I want I some. Want they're impossible to find. or if they, if they do turn up, they're always a fortune. So it's very, very right. seldom that, that, that I get the opportunity to buy them. Sure. Oh gosh, I know. I sure. I want everything that's on your site. It is just so beautiful, so thoughtful. We we have an archive on the site, so uh, oh. it showcases the best of the sold items. It's a good reference to go back and look at that show because 
obviously, you know, we, we only want to show what we've got for sale. So we put a set, mm-hmm. but then we felt like, oh, that was such an amazing piece. You know, we, we don't want to just get rid of that off the side. We still want it to be available to, to see. So we made a separate page, which has actually been really popular. But then sometimes is, is it tormenting people, you know, because then they're looking at things, <laughs> oh, it's not available anymore. But it just yeah. shows an example of the type of things we've sold over the past uh, seven or eight years, you know. Oh, that's wonderful. And then people can kind of study it and learn more about what they like exactly. and they could reach out to you. Really and- good, it's a really good like reference page to yes. get familiar with periods and, and what to look for, for in those sort of areas. And they can ask you, like, I really love this piece. If you come upon something similar, would you let me know? And that kind of thing, I would think. Yeah, of course. We got that quite a bit. People wanting to um, say please keep an eye out for something like this. You know, oh, yeah. Probably uh, Georgian Rivieres, which, which is just... <laughs> actually, may- maybe someone listening might have some Rivieres that they want to sell me. That would be nice. Yes, that would be. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know. And it for you, it's probably just as hard to actually sell the piece. Obviously, you want to make money, but you spend all this time sourcing them. You fall in love with the piece. You put it up, market it. And then it's like, oh, I don't really want to sell this, actually. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I always think I'm lucky because because I'm a man. I can't wear the stuff. So I don't I don't fall in love with it. <laughs> sense where, you know, I'd be like, oh, my God, I can never take this off again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I can part of it. But some, you know, some of the really, really beautiful things that we've had, I, I am really, really sad to see the back of. Sure. But I have to keep my business head on right at the end of the day and think, you know, I've got that's right. I've got the wages to pay at the end of the day. So. Oh, gosh. Yes, you do. And what has it been like working with these phenomenal celebrities like J.K. Rowling? We didn't actually have any interaction. She just purchased something, and we we checked the the order as it came through. Um, That's so amazing. That's okay, Rolly. Yeah. So we, we we were really excited about that. Um, I'm just trying to think of the other names that you mentioned. If there's anyone that we've actually, you know, actually. I bet had. that's so neat to look at the receipts and say, "Whoa, that was J.K. Rowling." <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That was a that was actually a memorial piece that she that she bought. Wow. She must be into the more the morning jewelry. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. Hillary Punk was nice. We we speak we spoke quite frequently on Instagram and back and forth, and she was super friendly and down to earth. And you know uh, that was that that's was cool. nice for us. She was just nice to be recognised. You know that that's what that's what felt good about it. Absolutely. Oh, they, for they, sure. These guys can shop anywhere. They could go. You know, they could go to the. You know the the, the super super high end, but actually they were coming to us, and that was great. We did not get into the armed robbery or any of your help what? stuff. So I don't know if you want to talk about any of that or just drive people to your own podcast. But growing this, starting and growing this business had been a real adventure for y'all. <laughs> been a roller coaster ride, you know, Most, mostly ups, but some downs. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't go into it now because it'd take me, you know, it'd take me, it'd take me a long time. I don't want to take up your time. But if if anyone did tune into our podcast, which is available on, you know, the normal platforms, then it would, um, they, they could get a pretty quick insight. But it is an exciting story, you know. It's probably something that 
you could make a film about one day. It's been, wow. been that yes. crazy, you know. I know. So everybody definitely listen to the dealing podcast, but it is so interesting how you y'all kept saying it really did overnight just this Instagram and this interest and this demand and and the yeah. how it, to with the cash infinite. flow <laughs> when cash you're always buying inventory. <laughs> cash flow is an ongoing an un, you know an ongoing situation. <laughs> I know because you're like I fall in love with the pieces. You buy too much, and then you're like, "How am I going to pay these?" People? <laughs> yeah, but, oh dear! Actually, my accountant's just been in, just shouting at me. You know, just saying, "Be careful, you don't get yourself in that situation again." I love that. That sounds like <laughs> well, that's, that's right. I, I buy. I buy with my heart. You know, I'm, I'm, yes. when I see these things, I'm. You know, it, it's hard to say no sometimes. So, I suppose in that way, that might be different to buying as with myself in mind to wear yeah yeah but i feel like that's the part of the job that you love right is finding these exquisite pieces of jewelry to you know to share the best with buying. other people the buying is you know is absolutely hands down the best part right yeah and you know people would think oh selling something you know and, and earning x amount of dollars on it and pounds on it that that would be the thing that gives me the buzz, but it's not. It's finding those pieces, and oh, the, yeah. which is where which is where the buzz comes from for me. Absolutely, I'm the same way with when I find a designer to work with a certain client or a beautiful dress or whatever that I know they're going to love. Dilly always remi- you know reminds me what's going to be how you know how is this going to work? Is there a commission involved for you? All of these things that you really are need to keep in mind as a business person rather than just the creative aspect of it so it's difficult but it's exciting we're so proud of you <laughs> thank you yes it's amazing yeah, monty always used what well, well, he still does say to me not used to don't mind speaking about him in the past said buy with your heart but run the business with your head which i think well love that is a, a really good sentiment in this type of work because you know it's something that you've really got to separate the head and the heart I love that. I really do. That really does resonate. That's a wonderful thing to keep in mind. So what's next for you? What's next for Butter Lane? Yes. Wow, we're, we're, um, we're in this like crazy period at the moment with like the the um, the lockdown situation. We've been absolutely like booming. We've been sort of trying to keep up with the demand, which has been really hard. Um, we've, we've not set any sort of specific like this is what we're going to do next we're just really yes. keen to continue refining this process that we've you know that we're, that we're in mm-hmm. and just getting getting better and better so how were you able when you couldn't go to the markets physically and things like that to see the pieces you've had to just do it all online zoom no i did a lot with um using the post in the uk so you can get like um People will send me parcels of gear of, of goods, sorry, and then I would I would sort through them and work out which ones I want to buy, and then send back the ones that I didn't want. Ah, so yeah, really? I, had a few, I had a few suppliers that were doing that with me, which was really really important at the time because, like I say, the the, the demand went absolutely through the roof with with a lot with the lockdowns over in the UK and over in the states. And do you know why? I mean, I think that was so interesting that, you know, nobody was buying clothes or lipsticks or anything, but they all started buying special pieces of jewelry, even yeah. though they couldn't go anywhere to wear them. People, I suppose, 
to look at it crudely, that people generally had a bit more money because they were, weren't going uh-huh. out and spending. Uh, and also, there's, there's such a huge feel-good factor with buying jewellery. Right. And I love that. And people needed cheering up a little bit. You know, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a nice time, was it? The, those sorts of times when, when it was right. all over the media. And, it, you know, what a great way to cheer yourself up is to buy some jewellery from me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Bring some beauty into your life. Yeah, there you go. That's something to make you smile. Yes. Well, your website makes us smile for sure. <laughs> and the Instagram. <laughs> we are going to put all of that, the podcast, your website, and Instagram in the show notes. But as we close the show, do you want to talk about where can people find Butterlane Antiques? I know you keep a very low profile personally. <laughs> it's true because the robbery. Oh, yeah. I think I touched on it earlier. The, the the website and the Instagram page is our shop front, so that they are the the two the two best places to find our most up to date and current pieces that we have available. Instagram especially, for sure. So Butterlane Antiques, and the podcast is called Dealing. Dealing, yeah, dealing. And the the website is butterlaneantiques.com. One thing that I do point out or stress is that if someone contacts. Uh, via the via the website or the emails or on Instagram, it is myself or Monty that that is, you know, on the other end. Oh, of the reply. It's amazing. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Hundreds of thousands of followers, and you're seeing the <laughs> the DMs. That's great. Yeah, that's us. Yeah, that's us. Well, it's you know, it's part of the personal service. So if we feel that it's important to build in trust with the customers, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Yes. That's why it's working so well. I know. And y'all deserve all the success. Yeah, I hope long may it continue. I hope, you know, it's, it's, it's hard work, but it's, it's good. Sure. It's great. And I'm, yeah. great, I'm grateful for it. You know, I'm grateful for all, this, all the support and the big following. Well, you're doing a phenomenal job. And thank you so much for coming on The Style That Binds This Podcast and telling your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm sorry I couldn't answer all of your questions. I oh, you did a great job. A great job. I think it's so interesting, you know, culturally what's going on in the United States is not necessarily what's going on. You know, we feel like everybody in the world is obsessed with Bridgerton, but other countries haven't even seen it. So I think that's very fascinating. You know, we're not all exactly the same. So, mm-hmm. well, we loved talking with you and we're so appreciative that you took time out of your day to spend with us. And we can't wait to meet you personally one day. Yes. Well, if you're ever in the UK, then make sure you give me a shout. We're going to be there as soon as we can. I know. And same to New York. Yes. Uh, do send me pictures of that jewelry because you never know. There might be a... Oh, yeah. There might be a hidden gem in there that you don't know about. So just Oh, that's a great idea. We'll touch base again soon, I guess. Yes. Yes. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.